Welcome to the Living Anchored Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Shores Church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. My name is Scott Lorraine, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and we'd love for you to take a few moments and listen to our most recent sermon. We believe that it will bless your life and help you live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be completing our Fear Not series. We've been looking at the different times in the gospel story where an angel appears and says, fear not. The first week we looked at Mary and we talked about fearing the plans that God has for us. The second week we looked at Joseph and fearing what other people may say about us. And today we're going to be looking at when the angels appeared to the shepherds. But before we do, if you would repeat with me, your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. The fear we're going to talk about today is this. It's the fear of where do I stand with God? How many of you have ever have had that thought go through in the back of your head? Just let's be honest this morning. Like, where do I really stand with God? If something were to happen to me today, what, what would happen? Where am I going? And I think it's only human nature, especially early on in our walk with Christ, to be wondering that question, of the think it through of if something happened to me, Am I really living a life that would hear, well done, good and faithful servant? I remember being a kid that every time I would go on an airplane, that I would be thinking in my head, okay, this is going to be fun, but this is one of those scary fun things. And the plane's going to take off and we're going to go really fast and something could go wrong. How many of you are afraid of flying? Let me just encourage you that you're more likely to get in a car accident than a plane accident. Just saying. But I remember as a kid, I would always think that of like, this plane's going down. And so I would say the salvation prayer right before the plane would start to take off. Because I wanted to know, I'm like, God, I, I may have messed up recently. So I need to say the salvation prayer. And then as the plane started going down for a landing... I got nervous again, so I said the salvation prayer again just in case I had done anything wrong while on the flight. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are laughing, you're like, I've been there before. And it, because salvation was so like, fear-based of, a, did I do anything wrong? And I hadn't really truly learned that grace component before. How many of you have ever had this moment where you're around people and all of a sudden everybody is just kind of gone? And then that thought triggers in the back of your head, did the rapture just happen? Did, did I miss it? And then you start like calling people and nobody's picking up. Some of you, have, you've had that experience before and we start thinking through it and we start worrying about what God is really thinking about us. And even in, in this case, some of us have heard this prayer before. This is a very famous prayer for kids. It's cute and then it gets really freaky. I want you to raise your hand when this prayer gets a little bit freaky. Here, here it is. Now I lay me down to sleep. 
I prayed the Lord my soul to keep. We're doing good so far, right? If I should die before I wake, I prayed the Lord my soul to take. And then we say, good night, little Johnny, sweet dreams, don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs> we, we think through that, it's like, it sounds really nice, but there's that a little intimidating. It's the same kind of thing with Ring Around the Rosie. It's a nice little kids and nursery rhyme until you realize that Ring Around the Rosie is about the Black Plague. It, it is, I won't get into it now, but look it up. It's about the Black Plague. And we start looking at all of these different things that we can fear of where do I stand with God? And we're going to look at this today with the shepherds. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 to start with. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and they were taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The King James translates it, as our series is called, is Fear Not. This version is Do Not Be Afraid. I bring you good news. And today we're really going to be looking at what good news really is in being Jesus Christ, our Savior. What's interesting about this particular passage is what the, who the angel appeared to and what he had to say. When in this time period, if you had any money whatsoever, when a child was born, especially when a first son was born, that you would hire a herald. And a herald would go around the town and announce that this child had been born. Today we might do it, I mean, even years ago it was done through the newspaper, and now it may be done through text messaging or Facebook or Instagram or emails or so many different ways. We don't hire a herald to walk around the neighborhood and say, hey, the baby's born, the baby's born. But in this time period, you would hire a herald to go and do this. So what does God do when Jesus is born? He hires a herald, being an angel, and the angel goes and tells who? The shepherds. It's interesting that the angel would go and tell the shepherds, and we're going to really look at this today, because in my mind, there's a lot of other people that you would think, why doesn't he go, uh, th th this angel go to the uh, the kings of the time, or why doesn't the angel go to the Pharisees or the Sadducees? Imagine all of the other things that could have played out differently if the Pharisees had been the ones that received the angel saying that Jesus was here. But the angel goes to the shepherds. But I want you to think of the, the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angel Sings for a moment. I want you to, because a lot of times we sing through Christmas carols and we're aware of them, but we don't really pay attention to the meaning behind the Christmas carol. So hark or listen, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host, the, the herald angel, proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem, the town of David. By the way, what was David before he was a king? A shepherd. Here's the thing that is interesting when we look at this, is in a logical mindset, we would say go to the most famous people, go to the people with the most influence, 
and announce that Jesus was born, that Jesus was here. But that's not what God does. He goes to the shepherds. And most of you are well aware of that because you either have a nativity scene, you've seen a nativity scene, and you know that the shepherds are there. We kind of just rope them into the story a little bit. But the thing that we need to realize is that in the proper context of this story and of this culture, going to the shepherds was a very unique thing that we wouldn't have anticipated, we wouldn't have expected, because the shepherds were actually a very disrespected group at that period of time. The job of the shepherd was so low and viewed so insignificant that in a family, the youngest son would often be the shepherd. That is, unless they had a slave, and then the slave would become the shepherd. That even thinking again of David, was David the oldest or the youngest? He was the youngest. That in the moment where Samuel comes to Jesse and says, show me your sons, one of them is going to be king. He doesn't even bring David in because David's just the shepherd. He's a nobody. Surely, if you're picking a king, you're going to be picking from all my other sons, not from David. When we look at the religious system at the time, the shepherds were often rejected, that they were taught that they were not good enough for God, that they could not be made right with God, and they could not uh, make themselves right by the rules of the time. And so they would have been individuals that would have been wandering and saying, we're not good enough for God. And today what I want to look at is say, these shepherds felt distant and there's a couple reasons why they felt distant. And I think in, in our case and here today, some of you may very well relate with the shepherds of why they felt distant from God. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. They felt unworthy. The shepherds felt unworthy because they were not good enough for religion. And the thought process coming from the Pharisees was that if you're not good enough for religion, you're not good enough for God. During this time period, you would have had the shepherds wandering in the fields and going here and going there, very similar to what we may even compare to like someone that is a, a trucker and is driving across the country. They may be gone for days and weeks or months at a time in the, the middle of nowhere, taking care of dirty animals, not having a place to take a shower. They were physically unclean, but due to the nature of their job and due to their inability to come and see the, the temple and take care of their sins, they were spiritually unclean as well. That how could they be made right? They're physically unclean. They're spiritually unclean. Nobody is looking at them and, and saying that they're, they're good. And the reality is for all of us that we can have that same attitude sometimes. That you, you come in the church and you look at other people and you start saying, well, that person, they've got it all together. That person's got a singing voice. That person, wow, they can dress. That person, they can teach kids. That person, and we start comparing and saying, well, they have so much more together. I hardly got here. Their kids are in pristine outfits. Everything looks perfect. And my kid, if my arm would have been longer this morning, I would have taken them out before we got to church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the thing is, at this Christmas time, it's so easy to make comparisons and we feel inadequate. We, f we feel like we're not good enough. And that's actually the second thing that the shepherds would have felt is they felt inadequate. 
that they didn't measure up in society, that they would compare themselves to, to one another and they just didn't make it. Let, let me ask you a question. How many of you put Christmas lights on your tree? Or not on your tree, obvious, uh, on your house? Because you drive down a street and you see like they've got lights, they've got lights, and then like six houses in a row that don't have lights, and then they have lights. When we, we think of a movie and we think of Clark Griswold with doing all of his lights on his house, how many of you are glad you, your neighbor does, isn't Clark Griswold where everybody has, it's just, uh, zapping all of the power? Imagine if you had a, a child and you say like, mom, dad, why did we just have like a single strand of lights on the house and they've got everything? It's, you could just use this answer of, well, we love Jesus so much that we're actually saving on our electrical bill so that we can start giving to our kingdom builders pledge that starts in January. And you, you make a, a statement or something along those lines and we, we say that because inside we realize I don't have what it takes to, to do that. Like, I could try and do that, but oh, it's, it's just not going to compare. If I get up on my roof, I'm going to fall off of my roof. And so it's easier to just not do anything whatsoever. I'm the, the person that I'll hang Christmas lights on the outside of the house at some point in November, wait until uh, Thanksgiving to turn them on, and then usually leave them up until March when the snow is all gone. And so I almost this year put up the Christmas lights before Halloween just because there was a nice weather day. I'm like, I'm, I've got one strand of lights that goes across the, the bottom gutter. I've got a, a kind of a cargo net that goes over our little tree, and that's it. It looks nice but I see other houses that go all out. And it's easy to say, like, ooh, I could do that, but the, the money, the time, the energy, I just, I can't. But there's so many other things. Even imagine this, during winter, and especially I remember being two or three uh, winters ago where there was so much snow that people got to the spot where they just stopped shoveling. Do you remember that? Like, there is like 20, 30 inches that had fallen, and there's, there's all the shoveling. Everyone just like, you know what? I'm done with it. It's the end of February. It can stay there until it melts. And you kind of just feel like, I'm, I just can't do it anymore. Or your grass in your front yard. How many of you are, are people that you love your grass to be as green as possible, that it's, it's cut to a certain level? Like, raise your hand proudly if that's you. Okay, I see a couple hands. How many of you, you're somewhere in between? Like, you, you, want your, you want to look nice, but it's, if it's not pristine and perfect, how many of you are like, if I could move to Arizona and have rocks for my front yard? Okay. See, we all fall somewhere on that. And there's that moment in the summer where, like, your grass is dying. And you know, like, it's, there's no coming back. It's August. The sun is hot. My entire yard is brown. I'll try again next year. And there's these thoughts that we go through. And when it's something like Christmas lights or our front yard or shoveling snow or things like that, it's not that big of a deal because guess what? The season will change and uh, the snow will melt, the grass will come back green again, and we get another try. But when it comes with our spiritual life, when we feel inadequate, we are missing something. We are, it's like, why do I keep trying? And so, so many of us can often get to that spot where we feel spiritually inadequate, and that's the shepherds. They're out here, they're in the middle of the, uh, the fields, nobody cares about me, I can't make it to the temple, I feel unclean, uh, I feel unworthy. 
why do I keep doing what I'm doing? I can look at other people and they've got so much more knowledge about the Bible than I do. Their prayers are fancier prayers than my prayers are. How many of you, you've been around someone before and that when they're praying, their ability to articulate scriptures and use very biblical words and it feels eloquent in their prayer, like it feels intimidating. Anyone been around? I remember one of, one of uh, our staff members at Northville Christian, he was our, our bookkeeper, Mike Savant. He, when he would pray at our staff meetings, it was the most eloquent prayer. And then as either the children's pastor or the youth pastor at the time, I would pray and it would feel like the most, I, I felt like it went from grandfather praying to five-year-old praying. And I never wanted to pray after him or I never wanted to have to do devotions the week after him because everything was so eloquent. I'm like, I don't want to follow up, Mike. Like, this is intimidating. I felt inadequate in comparison. But so the shepherds, they felt unworthy. They felt inadequate. And then the next thing is they felt unloved. In reality, the shepherds were looked at as thieves. And as a sad fact, the ones that weren't thieves were known as thieves. That when we look at the shepherds, that if they went into court, they wouldn't be allowed to testify because they would be looked at as dishonest. That when you look at their job because they were uneducated, that there was no growth potential, fathers didn't want to give their daughters the shepherds because how are you going to provide for my daughter? You have no hope of going anywhere in life. That is, we, we look at them, they're individuals that just unworthy, inadequate, unloved. They have no hope. They have no uh, movement forward. It's this feeling of we're out here just wandering around with a bunch of animals, which by the way, if you don't know this about sheep, sheep are dumb. Sheep can drown simply by looking up when it's raining. I mean, I, I saw this YouTube video maybe two, three weeks ago. It was a sheep that somehow got itself, maybe some of you saw this, like burrowed down in a hole. I have no idea how it got itself in there. The shepherd had to the, the come along and grab the leg of the, the sheep and start yanking it out of this hole. Sheep are dumb. So we have these shepherds who are wandering around with dumb animals, taking care of them, it, they feel unworthy, they feel inadequate, they feel unloved, that this is a seven-day-a-week job. And when we think of it, even going back to the, the religious uh, aspect of things, what are you supposed to do every single week? Keep the Sabbath. How is a shepherd supposed to keep the, sab the, the, the Sabbath? They are wandering around with animals that they're responsible for taking care of. They just... They feel like no matter what I do, no matter how much I try, I just can't be right with God. And they have this fear, this worry of where do they fit in with things. And that religion just didn't work for them. Here's the thing that I want you to realize with religion, and you probably have heard this before, but I want to reiterate it today, is that religion reduces Christianity down to rules, do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. Do this and you'll be right with God. Don't do this and you'll be right with God. But if you do what you're not supposed to do, you won't be right with God. And you don't do what you're supposed to, you won't be right with God. And it's, some of you are confused, like, did he mix those up? I didn't. But that's how religion ends up being is, wait, am I supposed to do this or am I not supposed to do this? 
And if I do this, am I right or am I wrong? Or, and it gets confusing. That we look at it, there is over 600 laws that the Pharisees were following and the shepherds had no chance or opportunity to do. So when we think of this for, for the shepherds, I think this is part of the reason why God sends the angel to the shepherds and not to the Pharisees because there are some of the most fringe parts of society. I want you to hear what Apostle, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 3, 20 through 22. So no one will be considered right with God by obeying the law. Instead, the law makes us more aware of our sin. But now God has shown us his saving power with out the help of the law, but the law and the prophets tell us about this. We are made right with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. This happens to all who believe. It is no different for the Jews than for the Gentiles. This morning, what I want to do is I want to say what is the good news coming off of this passage of Scripture? Because the good news is what the shepherds heard that night. The first thing is this. The good news is you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. I heard one amen. How many else are you are happy that you don't earn God's acceptance by obeying the law? How many of you have ever messed up? Okay, about half of you. The other half of you, I guess maybe I need to have you come up and teach. Um, I mean, we all have messed up. Most likely, we have all done something in the last 24 hours that if we could get a redo, we would redo and we would say, okay, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to. And when we look at it with the, the religious system, it's actually, I have the number here. It's 613 laws that the Pharisees were trying to obey. When in reality, we look at it, we have 10 commandments. Here's the 10 big ones that we're supposed to follow. And God looks at it and says, okay, 613, they're failing there. Just the Ten Commandments, they're failing yet there. Let's give them two, love God and love people, and we're failing there. How many of you have failed in loving somebody else in the last week? One of the things that was, it was frustrating and I was aware of it, and at the same time I was doing it in the last couple of days is we were in New York City, Annie and I, we, we took a, a four-day little vacation, and it's, every time you go in the subway and out of the subway, you're walking by people who they've got the cup, they're looking for change. And there's those moments of like, well, do I do this or do I not do this? And Andy and I both, in, in a moment yesterday, we were uh, leaving one place and we saw someone and we both kind of independently uh, felt compelled to, to give this individual something. But it's in that moment of like, I didn't do it for everybody. And you kind of feel conflicted of, if I'm loving God and I'm loving people, then how do I do this? And we all struggle and we all have moments where we don't love God as well as we should and we don't love people as well as we should. And here's the thing is the law is there to point out where we fail and where we fall short. And I want to say that as an encouraging thing. I want to encourage you that the law is there to point out your faults and your failures and everywhere where you mess up. Because you can't earn salvation. You can't earn it. God knew that you couldn't earn it. That's why he was sending us uh, a savior. The good news is you need a savior. Romans 3.20 says it right there. So no one will be considered right with God by obeying the law. Instead, the law makes us more aware of our sin. 
The law is here simply to show how sinful we are. Maybe some of us are more sinful than others, but if we start doing the comparison game of saying, well, I'm better than this person is, all we're doing is saying, I'm better than that sinful person, but chances are I'm probably not better than that sinful person. Playing a a comparison game of ourselves to other people is a very dangerous game because we're making other people our standard. Who is supposed to be our standard for right living? Jesus. If I'm going around saying, well, I'm better than them, and I'm better than them, and I'm better than them, all I'm doing is saying, I'm not as bad of a sinner as they are, but I'm still stuck. I'm still lost in my sin. I still need a Savior. And one of the the dangerous things about this is when we start looking at other people and comparing our sin to their sin, what we're doing is trying to rationalize that we're good people. Let me do a, a little a poll here. And I, I need you to be truthful. How many of you have ever have told a lie? Okay, keep them up really high. Okay, those of you that did not raise your hand right away, everybody is gonna come up to you afterwards and say liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> because it's fun. Let's just be honest. How many of you have ever stolen something before? Raise them high. Be honest. I don't even care if it's a gumball. Okay. So here's what I want to identify today. We are a church full of lying thieves. (laughs) That's just two of the Ten Commandments. Welcome to the Shores Church. Merry Christmas. (laughs) If you're new with us today, welcome. (laughs) And we start looking at it. And we realize, it's, it's funny in this context, but when we really realize that we are all with fault, that we are all sinners, that we've all fallen short of following the law, we start seeing ourselves as sinners. And if we start seeing ourselves as sinners, then we have a need for a Savior. If we have a need for a Savior, then we are able to move from being a sinner to being a saint. There's a progression there that's needed that we realize we are a sinner. If we are a sinner, we need a savior. If we're a savior, he can transform us into a saint. But if we look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not as bad of a sinner as them. I'm not as bad as them. I'm actually pretty much a good person. But all of us in here, just as a quick poll, I would say pretty much everybody either connected with I have lied or I have stolen something. And I don't even need to get on to all the bigger uh, sins that are out there that we probably could confess to right here as well that we need God's grace. We desperately need a savior, but if we play a comparison game, then we start saying, they need a savior more than I need a savior. That's a dangerous place to be. Because anyone who has sinned has fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus came for all of us because we've all fallen short. When you recognize that you're a sinner, you won't look for salvation through religion. You start looking for salvation through a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. When you're looking at the do's and don'ts, you can focus on all the things that you're doing right or all the things that you're not doing that you're not supposed to. But we lose sight that we're supposed to look more like Christ. Here's the beauty of everything that Jesus is. When we follow after Jesus, we put our faith in Jesus. When we trust in Jesus we start looking more like Jesus. We are saved by grace. Your works cannot save you. I don't care how good you think you are, your works cannot save you. 
But as we follow after Christ and we are compelled by his love, then we start doing things for others. We keep his commandments because we love him. We don't keep his commandments so he loves us. And so often in Christianity, we miss that. We do things to try and compel his love just like a child at Christmas time does things so that they think they'll get presents. When in reality, because our parents love us, because our families love us, we get things. It's the same thing with, with Christ. Because we love God, we get eternal life. And because we recognize that I was a sinner, that I was in need of a savior, that I've been transformed into a saint, then I need to go and tell someone else because somebody did it for me. And if I have air in my lungs, it is my job on a day-to-day basis to follow the commandments, to follow the plan that God has placed in front of me. Finally, the good news is righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. I want you to hear this this morning. It's not Christ plus religion. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus serving. It's not Christ plus giving money. It's Christ plus nothing. The good news is Christ plus nothing. But when we have Christ, then we start doing the things that Christ calls us to do and Christ compels us to do. And this morning, what I want to encourage you with is this, is that if you feel far from God, if you feel far from God today, This is the thing that I want you to realize is that God sent an angel to the shepherds. He didn't send it to the kings. He didn't send it to the religious leaders. He didn't send it to to anyone else. He sent an angel, a herald angel, directly to the people who needed it the most. Because God loves you. That This angel said, fear not, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. In the town of David, in the town of a shepherd, in the town of someone who was put off, that was left out with the the animals when a king was going to be anointed, in that same town, you have a moment where an angel comes to a group of shepherds and says a savior has been born, but not just a savior, your savior has been born. Someone who can come along and can meet all of the rules, all the regulations, all of the law that you couldn't do. A savior has been born that would step in, fulfill everything so that you could be made right with God. To me, when I, when I hear that, two different thoughts comes to my mind. Is at first, I think there could very well be individuals in this room that you've, you've said the, the Christian prayer before, but you're still struggling. You, you've accepted Christ, but you haven't truly walked in a freedom that says, God, I give you my life. I, no matter what my faults are and my struggles, I trust you. I can't earn it. I'm going to stop trying to earn it. And then there's people who that maybe you've never said the prayer of salvation before. A Savior has been born today for you.
fear not. Don't worry about the things that have happened. Realize the fact that a Savior is here that can make you worthy, that can make you adequate, that can make you loved. When we, we think through those different words that if you connect with any of those in, inadequate, unworthy, unloved, for whatever reasons, know that Jesus came to make you worthy. Jesus came so that you would be loved. Jesus came so that you wouldn't be inadequate and maybe not even just adequate, that you would be fulfilled and you would be the very person that you need to be. In a moment, we're going to take an opportunity for those of you that would you'd fit that category of I feel like I'm missing the mark and I don't know where I truly stand with God. Here's the thing I want you to realize. If you feel that way and you walked in the building today and you have that kind of mindset, well, never want to go to church because I might get struck with a lightning bolt. You didn't get struck with a lightning bolt when you walked in this morning. What you did walk into is fresh white snow falling on the ground. Here's the beautiful thing with that snow that's out there on the ground, maybe not the stuff on the road, but the stuff on the, on the ground and on the grass, it covers all of the dirt, all of the grass, everything else, and it's white and it's pristine and it's clean. And that's what God wants to do to you. Everything that looks dirty is covered with white. And for everyone else in the room where you say, okay, I know where I stand with God. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. I want to give you a challenge. Is It's today, the 15th of December. We have 10 days till Christmas. What are you going to do with the next 10 days leading up to Christmas? To share this story with somebody else. To share this story of, of Christ coming. Because we've talked about three different fears that people have. Most likely one of them has connected with you in some form or fashion of another. Whether it's the fear of God changing your plans and doing something drastically different, the, the fear of what other people think about you, or today, the fear, fear of not feeling good enough, the, the fear of not knowing where you stand with God. Where, what are you gonna do to taking one of these messages and sharing with someone and say, hey, I know you feel this way, but God sent Jesus because he loves you, because he cares about you, because he's passionate for you. Let me tell you about your Savior, my Savior, who's come to fulfill everything that you couldn't do. You've got 10 days to share that story. This 10-day window is a, a period of time where people are so willing to, to hear truth. This is one of the things that was just interesting to me is, is Annie and I were in New York City. We were in Bryant Park and they had all kinds of shops and ice skating and we're sitting eating an amazing dessert because New York's got great food. But we're sitting there and I'm hearing these different Christmas carols and it was one moment it's the Frosty the Snowman and then it's Joy to the World. And I'm sitting there and I'm wondering how many of these people are celebrating a holiday that is all about their savior and they have no idea why they're celebrating. It was this mixture between so much celebration and lights and excitement for Christmas. And then yesterday we see going through the subway, all sorts of people dressed up as Santa Claus going on, on a pub crawl. 
and going from, uh, from bar to bar to bar in 10 o'clock in the morning. So many people are celebrating Christmas, but so many people have no idea why they're celebrating Christmas. You have 10 days between now and Christmas to share what it's really about. It's about Mary who was met by an angel and said, you're going to bear a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to change your plans. I'm going to change the course of your life. Are you willing? Fear not. To Joseph of everybody's going to look at you different, but you get to help raise Jesus who's going to be the savior of people. Fear not the shepherds who are wandering, who are feeling inadequate, unworthy, unloved, fear not. Fear not because a savior has come who will make you whole. And no matter what anybody says about you, this is what God says about you. Do me a favor, just bow your heads this morning. If you're in this room today and you would feel that this statement would be true no matter you've prayed a prayer of salvation before or this would be the first time, that you would say today that you have no idea where you stand with God, that you're struggling with feeling inadequate, you're struggling with feeling unworthy, struggling with feeling unloved, and you just want to be right with God today. I don't care if you've been following Christ your whole life or you're in here for the first time today and this is the first time you've ever heard a presentation of who Jesus is. But if that's you this morning and you just want to feel right with God, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. Amen. I see those hands, multiple hands all over. Here's what I want us to do is I just want you to to pray with me, repeat with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to be right with you. I know that I can't earn salvation, but I don't need to. It's all about Jesus. I thank you for sending him so that he could one day die for me. Being resurrected and ascending back to heaven. You have made me worthy You have made me adequate. You have made me loved. And I will put my trust in you. Amen. If that was you this morning, I just want to challenge you. Cheryl Holdwick is going to be at the the Welcome Center today. Just connect with, especially if that's the first time you've ever said that prayer. I want you to go to the Welcome Center. I want you to connect with her. And especially if you've said that prayer and you've never been water baptized, sign up today. Two weeks from today, we're gonna fill that tank and we're gonna baptize people. Today, what you did was a personal dedication, but two weeks from today is a public declaration of saying, I am going to follow Christ. I don't care if you're 10 or if you're 90, if you've never made, or even older than 90, 147. But whoever you are in this room, that if you've never made that step and you want to make that step of being water baptized, two weeks from today can be your day. Make that public declaration. 
And for those of you that you say, hey, I'm right with God, I'm good. I know where I stand. Now we're gonna say the Great Commission because you have 10 days to share the greatest story in a time period where so many people are open and willing and receptive. So let's say the Great Commission together this morning. So you must go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you and you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my friends in this room today. Lord, I thank you for those that said, hey, I don't feel right with God. I don't know where I stand, but I want to make that right today. Lord, I pray over each and every one of them that right now that you would just continue speaking to their hearts, that any issues that have been going on in their life and in their heart, that you would begin just working on them right now, that you would take pain away from them, that you would give them a sense of joy and a sense of peace that they have never experienced before right now in Jesus' name. And I pray over the rest of my friends in this room that you would call us and equip us to go out and to share this good news, to share this message of faith with everyone we come in contact with in these next 10 days. Lord, this is the greatest story ever of the good news coming. As we celebrate Christmas, Lord, let us not lose sight of what it's about, but let us put our focus completely and fully on you. In Jesus' incredible name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Living Anchored Podcast. If this message impacted you, please remember to follow so you can see all of our content in the future and share on social media so other people can have their life impacted as well. Our mission at the Shores Church is to help people live a life anchored to Jesus Christ. So your help will definitely help us accomplish our goal. If you're interested in helping support our church financially, please go to theshoreschurch.org, click on Give, and you'll be able to do so that way. Have a blessed and incredible day, and we look forward to having you with us next time.